And now your host. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I want to thank you once again for making our show one of the most listened to shows on 1640 AM, 620 AM, 92.3 FM, and the various podcasts you stream and download internationally. We have another great show tonight. We have a lot of entertainment tonight, and let's get started. Welcome into my corner. I want to talk to you tonight about fireworks. You know what I noticed this week? There have been a lot of fireworks. I have to tell you, I actually enjoyed many of them. How many of you watched the news on the various shows and saw all of the beautiful ceremonies with glorious fireworks, whether or not it was in New York or Washington or California or even Florida, where there's still tragedy going on as they search for more bodies in Surfside? You know what was even better? How many people had their own personal fireworks, I mean legal ones, not the illegal ones, by going to local uh, community-sponsored gatherings from their legislators or at community parks, uh, concerts on the beach that were sponsored by local governments and local organizations and by public figures. People were out and people were celebrating. People felt free and alive and happy and together and united. And you know what those fireworks brought? They brought people together from all backgrounds, from all political affiliations. They didn't ask you at the ceremonies whether or not you were a Democrat or a Republican whether you were gay or straight, whether you were Christian, Jew, or Muslim. They asked you to have a celebration. They embraced it. People forgot for just those moments of fireworks, the cost of gas rising, of lumber to build homes. They forgot how much more of it costs to eat that barbecue. And they didn't care whether or not they were eating carbs and sugar or too much protein or meat-based versus plant-based. They were having fun. Families were together. Friends were together. And neighbors were together. Neighbors you haven't seen in months. You know what I didn't see? I didn't see masks. I was looking around, but I didn't really see any mask. You know what else I didn't see? I didn't see anything that was less than fun. You understand what I'm saying? Less than fun. Because after those fireworks, the news showed us the truth. Lots of murders. Lots of crime, illegal fireworks, 
and lots of things going on around the world that make us sad and scared and not happy. So I want you to think about fireworks and the brief hour or two that we enjoyed them together as a country, as a world, because let's be honest, around the world people were watching what was going on in America July 4th. And let's think about how we can get along and find a little bit of common ground, even if it's a sponsored fireworks event. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me if you enjoyed the fireworks displays that I did. Or if you have other ideas about fireworks. You can reach me through my website and through the various social media outlets I am on. And coming up after the commercial, we will have our first guest. So stay tuned. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is a very familiar face. You see him in a lot of different roles, in a lot of independent films and projects, uh, whether or not it's in movie theaters or through the various outlets that you uh, pay to see films. And he has a whole bunch of them coming out. So, Anthony Snow, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Cindy, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here on your show. I appreciate you very much. Well, I appreciate you. And uh, you have a common theme in the roles you take and uh, your portrayals in that whichever role you are in, you get so into it. You've played the so many supporting roles, whether and you could be the villain or the hero and you do them all so well. How do you do all this? (laughs) Research. I do a lot of research as an actor. This is what I do full time. This is my profession um, 24 seven. So when I'm interested in a role and I ask to be um, auditioned for a role, I make sure I do a lot of research on that character, whether it's fictional or non-fictional. And I bring a lot to it. So a lot of people say, Anthony, you're such a nice guy. How do you play all these bad guys? I'm like, well, you know, I research what, what similar bad guys did if they're non-fictional or fictional. And then, of course, if it's real, like um, 
my I got the leading role in a remake of Bonnie and Clyde. So I played Clyde Barrow. That was my big break. And uh, so there's a ton of stuff written about him. The producers gave me the FBI files on the real Clyde Barrow. And I sifted through stuff for six months before we even shot. So I pretty much knew uh, his education. I knew how he walked. I knew how he talked. Um, they gave me uh, firearms training because his favorite weapon was the Browning automatic rifle, which has been around since World War One. So I learned how to shoot one of those, an actual Browning automatic rifle. And then the cars they drove, because it was a period car, it was a 32 Ford flathead V8. Um, I, they took me out and they got me a real one. And I learned how to actually drive it for the scenes in the movie. So it's a lot of research. And uh, but it makes for a great character and it makes for believability, which is what we all want. You have a new film coming into theaters, I believe, in August. Yes. So uh, I do a lot of faith based or feel good movies. That's my that's my passion. That's really where my heart lies. I'm in a movie called Notorious Nick, and it's a true story about a congenital amputee who became a world champion MMA fighter. He didn't let the fact that he had half an arm on his right side stop him. And that was amazing. It's an amazing story. Comes out in theaters. I think it's August 4th. And uh, I was very proud to be a part of this part of this movie. And that's a great cast also. Oh, it's got a, it, it has a few names in there. You'll know if you guys remember Barry Livingston from My Three Sons. He's in it. Kevin Pollack, which has done a million things. Uh, I was in another movie with him called Apparition, which was also had the same producer, Mark S. Allen. Um, and, and Mark has won multiple Emmy Awards on television from both, you know, in, in California. And uh, he's amazing. He's a great producer, a great friend. And I hope to do many more movies with him. Mm -hmm. Also, you're a writer and you're a producer and... When we first met, you were actually talking about a sports documentary you were working on. So you really do the gamut. Tell us a little bit about producing and writing. Well, sports, I had a big background in sports. I lettered in like three different sports, football, basketball, and baseball. So sports has always been a thing in my family. My mom was an athlete. Everybody thinks I got my athletic ability from my father, actually from my mother. Um, she played sports at a very high level, um, was drafted pro and then decided to get married and have children. So there wasn't much money in female sports back then. And that's what swayed her decision. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I have a friend who's a former three-time world boxing champion. His name is Tony, the tiger Lopez. And he came to me with a concept about, um, boxers, after they leave the ring for their final time, the, the problems they have once they leave the ring with what they gave up physically, mentally, emotionally for being that world champion. So um, a lot of head trauma. Um, I'm going to be interviewing a doctor at the Brain Institute in Las Vegas because he follows a lot of these fighters over time and their decline in their cognitive ability or their memory is a big part of it. So Tony came to me with this idea about let's highlight this. And as I was writing and producing it, and I also directed the pilot, um, other, other professional athletes came to me and I have a friend who's a former Oakland Raider 
And Kenny asked me, he says, well, you know, it, it's similar to what football players go to with the multiple concussion thing. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking to me about possibly incorporating it to where it not it's not just a boxing thing, but it becomes kind of like an overall sports thing. So it encompasses football, baseball, basketball, boxing, um, things where people get hit, auto racing, when they crash into the wall at 200 miles an hour their brain takes a, a tremendous impact in the car. And so it's it's in development right now, but I think we're expanding what we started. The original idea, though, was just former world champion boxers. Well, you certainly do a lot of research, uh, and you certainly have a wide range of interests that go into your roles. Tell us a little bit about Anthony Snow. Where are you from and how you got into all of this? Well, it's a crazy state. It's like everything else in life, right, Cindy? Um, I'm a native Californian. I was born and raised in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay Area in the East Bay, basically in a little town named Richmond, called Richmond, California. I, I grew up there. And like I said, I played a lot of sports. And when I went to college, I went to college at UNLV, which is also a big basketball school. But I didn't go there to play basketball. I actually went there because it was the number one school in the West for nuclear medicine. Oh, wow. So my undergraduate is actually in nuclear medicine. It's not in theater or acting. I hadn't done really any type of acting other than like school play, you know, up until that time. And while I was there, because I'm also creative and I've been in music since the fourth grade, I play an instrument. Um, so I was in a jazz band. And the leader of the jazz band was none other than Jimmy J.J. Walker. Oh, you, wow. might re- you might remember him from a sitcom in the 70s called Good Time. He was the tall, skinny kid that always said, Dino Mike. And um, he, was the, he was our lead uh, of the jazz band. And we became friends and we hit it off. And one day, Rocky Four was filming down on the strip in Las Vegas at the MGM, I believe it was. And Jimmy said, hey, Anthony, you want to go and uh, meet the crew and the cast? And I said, sure, I'll do that. So I went down to the strip and uh, I met uh, Sylvester Stallone and I met James Brown, who sings the lead song Living in America. And it was just the coolest experience. And he asked me if I wanted to be an extra. I said, sure. They put me in a tuxedo. They sent me ringside. And I just sat there and just watched the whole thing happen, how they make movies. And I thought this was a really cool thing. So when I graduated UNLV, instead of staying there and buying a house and starting my career in medicine, I came back to Northern California where I'm from and I started working in medicine, but I went to school at night at American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. And that's where Denzel Washington went, Annette Benning went, Nicolas Cage went. So uh, that's what started my acting career. And here we are today. And then here we are today. And my first on-set lesson in acting was John Voight. So I really owe John Voight. He has no idea what he started. So I But really you acted with him, right? Kid. Yes. I My first first gig I I was trying to learn the business and my agent said whatever you do go be an extra just get on set and learn experience so there was a movie being filmed in San Francisco at the time called The Last of His Tribe 
and it was about the last native Indian in California that was brought to captivity. And John Voight played the anthropologist in, in the movie. Graham Greene played Ishi, the Indian. Um, and while I was on set, my scenes were with John Voight and I was just an extra and I was told to walk in front of John Voight. So they, they said action. And I just walked in front of John Voight. I was told what to do. I didn't have a character in my head. I had nothing. I wasn't thinking anything. I just walked because you've been doing that since you were born, right? Well, not maybe since you were born, but <laughs> since you learned how to walk. So um, the second time they said, okay, let's do it again. And the second time I did it, I walked right in front of John Voight. And then I felt this big hand on my shoulder. And I about had a heart attack because they told us, don't look at the stars. Don't talk to the stars. Your background, just do your job. And in the middle of the take, he turned me around. And he said, let me tell you about acting. When they tell you to go from point A to point B, you go with a purpose. You are here for a reason. So think of a character. Why are you here? And why are you walking over to that rail? That was my first acting lesson from none other than John Boyd. The rest is history. I owe Mr. Voigt my entire career. And I think you've worked with another famous John, John Travolta. I worked with John Travolta in Phenomenon. John was a great guy, and he really taught me humility on set. Um, you know, this business can be kind of crazy. You run into all kind of people. And he just taught me that, you know what, no matter how big your name is or who you think you are, it's not about you. Because it takes so many people to make a movie that he says, it can't be just about you. So never get an ego. And that's what I learned from John Travolta. He came, uh, the first day I met him, he, he came, he hugged everybody on set. Then he looked at me and he realized, mm, I haven't met this guy before. So he came up to me and here he is. He's John Travolta. And he says, hi, I'm John. And all I can think of is, of course you're John. I know who you are. And I was like stammering and going, uh, uh, I'm Anthony. <laughs> That's all I could think of a saying. But I spent three days on set with him, talking about him. We turned out we're both pilots. Um, so we talked about flying a lot of the time. And we talked about naming his son Jet. And we just had a great time. And I really learned humility from John Travolta. And I kept that with me my entire career as well. It sounds like you've had some great experiences. You have a lot coming up. Uh, what do you like best, writing, acting, or producing? Well, they all have their, they all have their key outlets. I mean, it's, it's all a great thing. I have to admit, I'm not the best writer. I, I would rather have somebody else write than, than me write. But I will help you produce. I will act in it. I will do whatever you need to do. I'm kind of a team player. Like I said, I grew up playing lots of sports. I was never in an individual sport. I was always in team sports, basketball, baseball, football. So for me, I understood the whole team concept to begin with. And it literally is a miracle that anything is ever produced. It, it has so many moving parts. There's fires to put out every day. That's the challenge of being a producer is everything that goes wrong, you have to figure out how to fix it on the fly. So I like that. I love acting. It was my first, it was my first love. So I, I love being in, in films, but if I can't be in films, I want to help you make your picture. And so I help other writers. 
I'm working with a wonderful, wonderful faith-based writer right now, Kimberly Jade Solomon. She wrote some amazing screenplays. And um, I, I just love helping people make their, make their stories, whether I'm in front of the camera, behind the camera, helping with the cast. I help with SAG contracts. I've been in SAG for 25 years. So I'm a signatory producer with SAG. So I know all the different contract levels. I help people do that. I just lend a hand wherever I can. I can tell my audience of all the guests I've had on and all the contributors, Anthony was the only person when I said, join us as a guest. For weeks, he's been talking to me about bringing on other actors and supporting their projects. And one of the reasons it took so long to get him on is because he's been waiting for his co uh actors to be free from projects i guess he's the good luck charm because right away the minute he says they're coming on cindy's celebrity corner they get a great job right (laughs) and he is going to be coming back uh he is always welcome and tell us again where can our audience find you the uh projects coming out and of course, they're not only in theaters. They could also, I guess, download them from the various uh, subscri- yeah. The subscriptions. Yeah. So tell us uh, where. Yeah. So um, you can find me. I'm on all the social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, something called Alignable, Slate, all the, um, you know, movie posts, like producer movie platforms. I- I'm on a lot of different platforms. You can Google me. I'm readily available. My name will pop right up. You can contact me through there. Um, I'm, I'm open. My email is, is a proactor at comcast.net. If you want to get a hold of me by email, um, there's a lot of ways to help me. And again, Notorious Nick is coming out on August 4th in theaters and on streaming platforms. And uh, I have other projects that are in development and I have one in post-production, which is a children's movie. Again, I love doing films that, that send a positive message. Uh, I wear a dog outfit. I'm actually a dog riding a Harley. It's live action. It was tons of fun. The kids are going to love it. And it teaches the kids about saving the ecology. So, you know. And, it, and what is it, the name of it? It's called Sandy and Stevie Save Rainbow Forest. Oh, wow. We're looking forward to that. And I yeah. love the fact you love to do villains, but you love to do family movies as well. Anthony Snow, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Thank you, Cindy, again. It was a real honor and a pleasure to be on your show. Thank and you. And you'll be back me. very soon with the next half a dozen projects you're working on. Thank <laughs> you so, so much. Thank you. Hi, this is Donnie Most, and I always enjoy listening to Cindy's Celebrity Corner with Cindy Gross. Hello, and welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and our next guest is a familiar voice, a familiar face. You guys asked for her back, and she came with a story that you are going to walk away from this episode and say, wow. Our savvy over 60 contributor, Robin Thompson, it shared with you last time business tips for somebody who is savvy over 60, but makes life every day like it's the first day of her life. And one part of Robin 
That is so important. And that is a great tip for you, our followers and listeners, our extended family. She's going to share today, and that is relationships within your home. So, Robin, welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am so honored to be here. I cannot imagine um, anybody who doesn't love you. You're amazing and bring out the best in all of us. So thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you here. And I, after last time you were here, I received so much uh, response and contact that people were so touched that they felt like, you know, they were making their own agenda list and uh, thinking of ways that they could incorporate your tips into their lives from all over the world, which is pretty amazing. So you're going to give us a little bit of tips about a personal life uh, over 60, because many people think that, you know, you're at that stage, you've lived it, you've done it, and you don't have to work on it. But even... In our conversations on the phone, you always emphasize to me relationships. So tell us a little bit about, first of all, the relationship you have in your home. I am blessed to be one of those moms whose daughter is her best friend. I knew I gave birth to my best friend. I wanted her all my life. And I feel like I'm starting relationships from square one because when we talked before, I had a very different start to life. So I taught myself what I didn't want to see. So I worked very hard at how can I make your day better today? And that's every day for me. You wake up, you get out of bed. How can I make your day better today? Um, you're not always, it's not always a utopia. You're going to fight. But how do you manage those debates or disputes? They don't have to become personal or physical. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And when you said that you gave birth to your best friend, I think a lot of parents feel that way, especially mothers and daughters. But they will also tell you it's probably the most complicated relationship in their life. So if you had to give three tips to mothers about how to uh, be a best friend to a daughter, and at the same level, how a mother, how a daughter should be a best friend to a mother, because before you were a mother to a daughter, you were a daughter to a mother. Uh, I think your story is amazing. I think that will be a great way to start that. Uh, um, Cindy, the best, uh, it's, I was a daughter to a mother. And I never understood life because that was the mother I shared with you that dropped me and four of my siblings at an orphanage and didn't come back in Houston. And I knew that's not what I wanted. Uh, I, I, I lived most of my life feeling I had done something wrong to deserve this. I wasn't a good child. And so the tip I would have is to... Remember that to watch for their ages when they start to have free will of yes or no, um, when they start to want to pick their own color, clothes and colors and room. And, and for me at 18, when she went to college, you have to be brave enough to let them make their own mistakes and fight their own battles because they will not learn even though we have lived through it before and know X and Y, they must also do that. And I think that was the biggest thanks I ever got from Tara. 
is letting her choose her own major, her own college. Um, it, it, she, she had started out in forensic science. And I knew it was wrong, but I let her do it. And within three weeks, four weeks, she was back where she belonged in writing, which leads to part of our story as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's be brave enough to let them um, feel pain and to experience those things themselves. But there's not a day, not a day, biggest tip, that you should not tell them you love them and that they're so important in your life and asked i asked her is there any doubt if we were not to see each other again that i loved you more than anything in the entire world and the answer i hope for all everybody is no there's no doubt mommy so let me ask you a question how since you spoke so much last time about business and uh i think you have incorporated your daughter into your business, yes. giving her the independence. That's something that many people, many of our listeners would like to learn more about. How were you able to bring her into the business and relate the tip that you just gave about letting her make her own choices? I failed twice. I tried to control what she did in two other occasions. And this time I said, listen, she is the master of content. She's a published author. She's you know, graduated uh, summa cum laude from Baron Honors, USC. Um, let it, let her be the boss of content. I've never seen anyone who writes as well as she does. So I let her run her own show. I stay out of it. But it's okay for me to have failed twice and realize, hey, I'm the problem. Does that make sense? That's a very important tip because it's very hard for a mother to admit failure. Especially yeah. to a, a child. Yeah, I did. So, just you have two parts to your story that I really we haven't even touched upon. Right. But first of all, your relationship with your own mother, as you said, she you really did not have a relationship, mm-hmm. and many people would think that would lead to not having a good mothering feeling. And being a successful parent, what do you tell people when they say that? I thought I was alone. And I realized uh, when Tara said she was going to write my story that it's important to tell the ordinary plain Jane they're not alone. Um, I grew up believing that I was um, a, a horrible person for a woman who gave birth to me to leave me. I would sit on the swing and wait for her to come back, and she never did. And when I was 13, I sought emancipation because I didn't know this woman. I didn't want to go back. And to have those grown-up thoughts at that age, I thought were horrifying because the foster family was very strict. And I said, I'm reasoning this out as a young teen. At least they're uh, respected in the community. I have a better chance at life by staying with him with them. So I formed my parenting that way. I will not do this. I won't not do that. I will ensure she feels loved and wanted and taken care of. And my present for that was a beautiful forward she wrote called her story, a love letter to my mom. Because I still have uh, questions to myself that I am 
good at what I do or worthy at of, of some of the things that happened to me. And uh, it made me very proud and very happy at the same time. If that, if that makes sense, I know I tend to wander, but that's the storyteller in me. Well, that's what makes you special and unique. And that's what makes you savvy over 60. First of all, you just just admitted one of the characteristics we love about you that makes you human and relatable to our audience. I can't believe you said that. We were driving yesterday. I said, Tara, why do people like me? Cindy, almost word for word, she said, because you just say what other people think. You're a storyteller. You, you're authentic and real. And it's so weird that you, I mean, almost work for what you said. So tell us yeah, how just all this relates to being savvy and a mother daughter in a business. Where right. is, well, she does the writing. Now, how does it help as far as bringing business in, meeting contacts? When you say you're a mother-daughter team, does that enhance people? (laughs) Uh, Yes, it does, actually, because she's also diversity. She's also LGBT. And um, I am a very diverse person. I I believe it strengthens us. And um, content... And telling your story is the most important thing you can do for your business. And I've been a storyteller for years. It's just now becoming popular. And to have her take her words and tell someone's story so beautifully after I visit with them and I see the X factor or the inside of them. Um, like when I talked to you the first time, I was already thinking to myself, you know, wow, um, uh, I see what the X factor is. She's so personable. She brings, she knows how to bring out the best. She'll take that and write a content that's published. And that co- authentic content is worth more than any SEO. A talented writer is the most crucial part from market strategy and market planning. Oh, and I told you yesterday I met Kenny Zamora. Same thing. I saw his X factor right away. So let me ask you a question. Do you think it would have been different had it been that you had a son? You only have one child. Do you yes, think that yes. makes a difference? So what do you tell your friends that are savvy over 60 like yourselves? Who are the parents of boys? They, they're going to have to let the boys be who they're going to be. You're not going to be able to govern them because the harder you sit down on them, the more they'll rebel. I mean, I, I listened to my husband's stories. Uh, for example, his dad told him not to go out. Maybe he knew he came back because the dog was barking. Well, he got smart and started taking the dog with him. And so it's you've got to say, listen, you can dye your hair purple or you can do this. Well, let's do it at home where you're safe and it's a freedom to fail. And that's the kind of mother I wanted to be to her. So she would be honest truthful, and live her own authentic life. I don't care what it is. What do you tell parents who have children at home uh, who are basically adults? I, I do. She's almost 24. I promised, made a promise to her that as long as she was learning, I would take care of her. And she's going to go back for a second master's. But I also taught her about finance at age 13 to live on 80 cents of every dollar. And she had amassed a year and a half salary to sit back 
if she wants to. Um, we don't teach our children FICO and credit scores and how to manage money. And that, that would be the third tip. You asked me for three tips. Maybe yes. that's one too, because we're not taught those things. And that's a very important thing because so many people today, especially with COVID, and we don't even know where our country is heading. And, <sighs> you know, people are thinking, well, maybe we'll get more money. Maybe we won't, depending on what state you're in. Are businesses opening? Are we going to have a relapse? And everybody talks about this. But the reality is that we just don't know what's happening. So that's a great tip that I didn't even think about. And you started it at a young age, and you started it with something very simple. What was her first job? Her first job was working for me doing data entry, and then she worked for ASU doing data entry. Um, She wrote SEO blogs. And just, I never realized how good she was until that moment because everything she touched would hit the number one spot. Um, so paying for SEO four or $5,000 a month, you got a good writer the or, you know, people search organic. So from every one of those jobs, um, she put back 20 cents of every dollar she earned before she spent a dime. And today she pays me her car insurance, uh, her health care. Um, it's its really a responsible. Uh, and her FICO right now, Cindy, is 815. That's so close. I just uh, refinanced the house and put her on the title so she could have the third. Yeah. So, yeah, I think every parent should do that. its It was part-time jobs, two full-time jobs, and now she's kind of on a hiatus because she's going back to get a second master's. And she, I bet she doesn't resent you f- for teaching her this the way some of, of these kids are so entitled and they feel they deserve to do nothing because their parents have money. I bet she appreciates it. I have to tell you, she does. Um, because I, I went up to school one day and surprised her and she was teaching a group of girls how to run their credit. They had three and 400 FICOs and she was giving them her secrets her way. You know, you spend this, you pay it back, you know, how to make points and, uh, you know, buy some of the points card and immediately pay it. Uh, so, yeah. It sounds like she's also enhanced your business. Oh, tremendously. Her signature, she has the, they call it the Terra Touch. Uh, and she absolutely is a major part of my business. Yes. Well, and that's great because you trust her and she trusts you. And that's, so precious, so rare today. You hear parents and children not talking or siblings complaining. And I just thought your story was so inspiring. And it really. Thank you. It's something that has to be told over and over and over again. Is there any way anybody could read the book or read the story she wrote about you? We're in, we're halfway through because the story's not over, not six months ago did I find out I have two living sisters I thought had died. I hadn't talked to them in 52 years. Wow! And so we're adding that. I'm hoping our goal is by the end of this year to have it on the shelves. Her thesis sponsor predicted that it would be a put into a screenplay. She said, Robin, this is that good because it's about an ordinary woman who thought you know, just like others, you can do it too. Get out your chainsaw, make a window, 
live a different life. You don't have to live the way you were brought into it. You do have the power to change it. Our mutual friend Sean says that you're born with everything you need. All you have to do is get grit, right? Look at you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Robin, we could talk about this over and over and over again and more and more. You'll be back next month again. And I am sure we're going to come up with a list. My listeners are going to send me questions. They're going to want answers. And you come up with what you want to share. But you gave us some amazing tips. Make your child your best friend. Let them make their mistakes. And teach them at a young age how to be uh, financially independent and responsible. And they will appreciate you as an individual and honored to ha- call you mom. So that's our Savvy Over 60 tips for this uh, episode. And thank you so much, Robin Thompson. Robin, tell everybody where they can find you. They can find me on my website, you can't top a maverick.com or go to LinkedIn and all my contact information is there. It's Robin Athlon, A-T-H-L-Y-N Thompson. Cause there's too many Robin Thompsons I threw in my middle name, <laughs> but everything's there. Well, thank you so much for coming on to Cindy's celebrity corner. And again, being a contributor and being part of the family. Oh, thank you. I'm honored, terribly honored. See you next month. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I am so thrilled to have our next guest because I actually uh, was anticipating seeing this movie. I heard so much about it. And when I finally did, I was not disappointed. And it is one of my recommendations to go watch on Netflix. Uh, It's been winning many awards, especially John Voight's been winning many uh, supporting actor awards for it. And we have with us the person who really created the movie Roe versus Wade, Nick Loeb. He is the writer, director, and he stars in it. And I'm really thrilled that you're joining us so that we could continue uh, promoting the movie and getting people to watch it because it's really a quality film. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So uh, tell us how you really started this. I mean, this had to be a labor of love for you to get so involved in it. Well, you know, I think uh, with film in general is a labor of love. Uh, you, you know, I was, I, you know, I've been in the film business for a long time, over 20 years. You make movies on everything. Uh, I couldn't believe that no one had actually made a movie on the most famous court case in American history. Um, you know, I assumed probably because it was some, you know, boring, you know, courtroom drama. Everybody knew the outcome. Uh, and when I started researching it, I, I was blown away. It almost came across as like a JFK conspiracy movie. Um, and then I realized why it wasn't told, um, cause nobody in Hollywood wanted to tell that story. It's such a controversial issue to some people. It's such a passionate issue to some people. And yet the way you've made the movie, you make people think about so many things that they really don't come. I mean, I came away from watching it. And it made me think about both sides. And I think that's a very important uh, 
credit to you that you make people think about way both sides. We don't think that way anymore in America. Well, that would mean that was the goal. We, we, I would, didn't want to make some sort of preachy, faith-based religious movie. I mean, the purpose of the movie was supposed to make a historically accurate film about how the case came to be and how it was decided. There's two sides, so we showed two sides. And, you know, hopefully people can see the facts and make up their own mind. I mean, I think a lot of people said, well, it was, it's a pro-life movie. Well, actually, 90 minutes of the 90% of the film was actually pro-choice. Only the last 10 minutes was pro-life. And so it's not even balanced in the pro-life favor, but because you've got 10 minutes of pro-life, you're a pro-life movie. <clears throat> and so that's, you know, you know, critical of Hollywood if you're not 100% on, on their side. But you have to make something balanced. And then at the end of the day, you know, if they had, and the reason it became maybe pro-life is your protagonist became pro-life in the film. But if, if there were characters during that time period that were pro-life that converted to become pro-choice that were involved, I would have put them in there. But they weren't. There were two people who were very involved with everything who became pro-life. And that was part of that whole story. So, How long did it take you to write? It took me about a year to, to write. I mean, we, it, it took a long time because um, the research. I mean, we, I read over 40 different books, uh, court transcripts, uh, letters, speeches. I talked to a lot of authors who wrote the book to get uh, original source material, um, and, and you know, and then I I wanted to make sure that it was written well. So I you know had a lot of people review the work and did read rice and things. Like that. Probably did not have the easiest time getting a uh, this topic without someone really watching the movie wanting to distribute it. How did that go? You know, yeah, it was challenging. I think the biggest challenge, not necessarily was the distribution, but you know, a lot of the platforms like your Amazon and your iTunes didn't really feature us. Uh, we were a new release, but we were, weren't in the news release sections. Uh, and there were so few films coming out because of COVID, not a lot of films got made. Every time there's a new release, it's front and center. And so they were hiding our movie and shadow banning it. And we had to go in the press and talk about it and do shows like yours to make people aware of the film. And so I think that's been the biggest challenge. And some of the bigger companies like, you know, DirecTV, completely lied and AT&T completely lied. They'll say, well, we put your movie out there, but they, they only, they only really sent it to anybody who had a box connected to a wall, not, not to their satellite customers. So only 50% of their people got it and they wouldn't put it on new releases either. And so, but then they said they would. And then, and it was just, they all played games. They all played games. Well, I'm glad that I was able to see it on one of the, um, places that showcased it i have to say you have an amazing cast there and that didn't you know the topic or you know did not stop them from how did you get like john Voigt to do it i reached out i reached out to john and you know he i knew his manager and i sent him the script uh he read the script and he called me he said nick i mean he's like this is not my my topic like i i don't you know haven't you know i don't you know, this is not an issue that I stand on. He's like, but your, your script is so much information um, that nobody really knows anything about. And it's just so, you know, on a topic that every, you know, I'd like to say Roe v. Wade is a court case that everyone in America has heard of, but nobody knows anything about. And I think that was John's point was everybody talks about this all the time, but it's so much information. Everyone's got to really understand with all the fake news that's going on today. This is something that you have to put out there. And I would love, I'd be excited to be part of it. And you have Robert Davi in it also. 
Yeah, Robert was great. I mean, I think a lot of these guys, when it comes down to acting, um, they want to sink their teeth into great roles. And granted, the roles weren't big, but, you know, when is the opportunity to play a Supreme Court justice? I mean, these guys, all, the, all most of these guys all played Supreme Court justices, and these were famous people or pillars of the legal industry at the time. And to be able to, you know, play, you know, Justice Rehnquist or Byron White or Warren Berger. I mean, maybe people don't know who these are now, but these were hugely, you know, famous uh, and well-known uh, legal pillars during that time in history. And I think, you know, they were, you know, all that whole cast, whether it was John Schneider or Steve Gutenberg or William Forsythe, uh, Corbin Bernson, were either all, I think, I think it was really the roles. They loved to play in the roles. And you, as you said, because, you know, you're using a real topic, you did accurate research, and you made it entertaining. And you got people in this that are actors, they're not politicians. So you have from all spectrums, which people don't realize until they actually watch the movie. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I think that was the point. And, and you know, we wanted to make, we didn't want to make, a, you know, a faith-based movie with no name actors. I mean, we want to make a real Hollywood film um, and we want to make it fun and entertaining. And, and, and I think, you know, myself and Kathy, who was my co-director and co-writer and co-producer, you know, we've been in the business for a long time. And so we were able to, to also have the ability to re- know how to reach out to these people and put all of this together and make a real movie. Well, it certainly is. I, I don't want it, It's very entertaining but it is also a learning experience and it's in it's in your own home and it's it's a great and it's also a movie you could really watch with family members and not be embarrassed about there are so many things you have to question it this one you don't have to which is another big plus for it i know it's won uh, a lot of awards and i'm let me ask you, have you gotten any backlash from it? Because, you know. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, yeah, there have been, you know, positive press from conservative media and negative press from mainstream media. So it's, you know, everyone has their opinion. And, and, and obviously it's, it's geared by politics or their position. I mean, you know, I find it, you know, I mean, it's, listen, it's not, I wasn't surprised. I mean, people are making creative, uh, you know, creative criticisms but there it's purely based on politics you can tell in the writing and uh and some of the anger of the writing but uh it is what it is i mean it was hopefully it was meant i mean listen it was, that was going to happen no matter what so you don't regret making this film oh not at all i'm thrilled i made it i hopefully it'll stand the test of time it'll be there for a while and hopefully in the future as an educational tool for people who want to understand how this, how this came to be and, you know, how this happened. Have you heard from anybody who was actually involved in the case? Uh, They're all dead. I mean, there's only one person, there's only one person who's still alive. I was involved which is Sarah Weddington, who was a lawyer for Jane Rowe. And I don't, you know, I don't think she has any interest Nobody was going to say any of the kids involved or, you know, people, you know, because you had so many famous people in it. And what, what, uh, what, do you, what do you mean by the kids involved? Like any of the justices or the attorneys or all that. Everyone. No, even the. Oh, I meant like the generations. <clears throat> of them. Oh, you mean there's the 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 no, n- none of the none of the. Uh, 
No, none of the, you know, none of the descendants of any of the, the actual characters reach out. Right. That's what I meant. Sometimes you get, you know, response from kids or, you know, oh, that wasn't right. Or you got it to the point exactly. Yeah. You really picked up my father's mannerism so well in the film, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it was very difficult. I mean, there's not a lot of video on these guys back then. There's or some um, when they were much older. But I mean, everything we really had to get through was books. I mean, there were some things. Um, some of the actors we get got video on and, and that we showed, but the justices were relatively difficult because they were relatively private. And anytime they spoke, you know, really was sort of in front of a camera. There, there wasn't sort of sort of off the cuff footage of anybody. Mm-hmm. So, what is your next project? So, the next film I'm working on right now uh, is a movie called Ghost Patriot. It's the true story. Um, of a slave recruited by George Washington to spy on the British during the American Revolution. It's an action spy thriller uh, about a slave who gets Washington this information that helps Washington win the American Revolution. And it's a story that's been completely left out of history. Um, Sounds amazing. It's an awesome, it's an awesome, it's a fun, big action spy thriller. Um, And, you know, what's shocking is this guy named James Lafayette, um, who did this to earn his freedom, uh, has com- completely left out of history. I mean, you can Google and see there's a you know, little bit on him online, but we don't really learn about him in school or anything. And without him, uh, which you find out in the movie, we may not have won the revolution without this guy. Um, it's a staggering story. Uh, and I didn't even know it. I found it when I, I, I found somebody had sent me the script and I was blown away by it. And, um, uh, we've been working on rewriting it for the past year, and now I'm out to directors, and um, you know, hopefully we'll you know shoot it in the next year or two. Do you have a cast yet? <clears throat> we, we, you know, the only cast member right now that we've gone to that has interest um, is a guy named Damson Idris to play the lead um, slave. Uh, he is the lead of a TV show called Snowfall on FX. Um, the young up and coming guy. He's done a couple films um, and he was thrilled and excited about it. Uh, I met him through John Singleton. Uh, and John Singleton, the famous director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first black director to be nominated for and the youngest to be nominated for Academy Award for directing. Mm-hmm. I was actually producing this movie with John before John passed away. And John uh, made this TV show Snowfall with Damson. Um, and he brought Damson on board to, to play the lead. Well, uh, it sounds fascinating, and I want you to come back before it premieres, before it wins all the awards, and uh, we would love to share it, and it sounds really great. Nick Loeb, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner, and again, the movie is Roe versus Wade. I should also tell you that through the libraries through COVID, they were actually distributing distributing through their video services for free as well great great so uh thank you so much have a great vacation i know you did us a favor by coming on and uh we'll see you soon thanks so much cindy take care thanks welcome back to cindy's celebrity corner i am your host cindy gross and just like that the hour flew by i promised you great guest great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, And you can also listen to us through the TalkLine Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.